Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So good afternoon, everybody. So my name is Mike, and I'm a member of this uh, East congregation. Today, we're going to look at one of the, um, I would say, one of the most unusual people in the Bible. Um, we're finishing our series today on the book of Judges, which looks at what Israel, happened to Israel when they went into the Promised Land about 3,000, 3,500 years ago. Now, you might say, oh, gosh, what are we looking at ancient history for? You know, what relevance does that have to today? Well, yeah, true, their society was very different from ours. Their technology was very different. But one thing is still the same as it was 3,000 years ago, human nature. And the Bible is a book about how God interacts with human beings. So the human beings who were living then, we can, how they interacted with God, we can learn something about for ourselves now. Who knows this song? My, 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 Delilah. Anybody recognize it? Yeah, Tom Jones. 19, yeah, I'm on worship next week. Yeah, watch out, Millie and Dave. <laughs> um, Tom Jones, 1967. I was just a teenager. Actually, it's been very controversial, that song, because the Welsh Rugby Union have banned the singing of it in their national stadium. Um, that has nothing whatsoever to do with the sermon, actually. Although the Lady Dalila, we shall meet a bit later, may have inspired the, the, the name of the girl in that song. So we're looking at Judges chapter 13. And in the words of another less controversial song, let's start at the very beginning which is a very fine place to start. And we're looking at Judges 13, and we find at the beginning a fairly familiar story. Israel had become prosperous, then had turned away from God, fallen into the hands of uh, foreign uh, nations, cried out to God for relief. God relieved them. They became prosperous again, and oh, the cycle started. And actually, there are some echoes to today, you know. Britain is more prosperous than we've ever been. I know the wealth is unequally divided, but we are more prosperous than ever. And Christianity is at an all-time low in the past thousand years. There are now, according to the census, just about as many Muslims in Birmingham, people identifying as Muslim as there are identifying as Christian. So, what's God going to do? Anyway, that's, that's not the sermon for today but worth thinking about. So, Judges 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. Now, at that time in that society, that was a disgrace for the woman if she couldn't have children. I know it's really unfair because it takes two to tango, but that was the case then, and it actually is the case in many countries in the world today. But what's really interesting is that people who are considered on the edge of society or are looked down upon are often the people who God uses. I remember hearing a, an eminent former director of the International Monetary Fund speaking at a prayer breakfast, and he said, if you want to see where Jesus is, find the poorest, most deprived person you can think of and go and go to him or her, because Jesus will be there. Because Jesus is the God of the poor. And here he is, this woman who was, was shamed because she didn't have children. The angel of the Lord appeared to her. And he said, 
You're barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazirite. That was people specially dedicated to God. If you're really interested, you can read about the rules for the Nazirites in Numbers chapter 6. He'll be dedicated to God from the womb. He'll take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I don't know what an angel of God looks like, but um, she seemed to know. I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Now notice, there's no harm in asking God about things. There's no harm in asking God to clarify things, providing it's done from a position of faith. And Manoah did have faith. And so God heard Manoah and the angel of, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, are you the man who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, you see, he had faith. He knew the words were going to be fulfilled. What is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I've told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I've commanded her. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like to stay, you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. You see the Middle Eastern tradition of hospitality? If someone visits you, you give them food. And it's still like that today in the Middle East and indeed in many other parts of the world. In Kyrgyzstan where you were, Rachel, I think it was like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, we're kind of a bit um, miserable in this culture, aren't we, when people visit? We might give them a cup of tea if they're lucky, you know? Anyway, he went off. Um, so... Um, but the angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Now, Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. Either he was very slow to catch on or maybe the angel of the Lord that disguised himself. He replied, why do you ask my name? Oh, so then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what's your name? So that we may honor you when your word comes true. And he replied, why do you ask my name? It is, be it is wonderful. Now, here's an interesting thing. The word wonderful is exactly the same word in the Hebrew as that famous prophecy of Isaiah that we speak about every Christmas where we say, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he will be called wonderful, counselor, so forth. Same word. So this here is Jesus appearing to Manoah and his wife before he was ever born as a baby because Jesus is the one human being who existed before he was conceived and born, because he's not only human, but he's God as well. Anyway, so Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. And this was amazing. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Pretty awesome that, eh? Whew, I'd like to have seen that. 
Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We're doomed to die, he said to his wife. We've seen God. But his wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he'd not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things or now told us this. Right, so an angel appeared to Manoah and communicated with him. I want you to look at two questions on your tables. Firstly, how does God communicate with us today? And secondly, do angels still visit us today? So have three or four minutes talking about that. Okay. Be, be very interested to hear what you've got to say. If you've, any of you have seen angels recently, I'd love to hear about it um, afterwards. So, the words of the angel came true. Manoah's wife was pregnant and she gave birth to a son. And it was no ordinary boy. He was called Samson. And he's probably the strongest man who ever lived. He was so strong he could just tear a lion apart with his bare hands. Uh, he could kill a hundred men just with an, the jawbone of a donkey. But Samson had a fundamental weakness, sex. And Sa Samson's particular weakness was Philistine women. You say, well, what was wrong with them? Well, when Israel went into their promised land, God told them specifically not to associate with women from the, lands, the, the nations around because they all worship different gods and they would lead them astray. And that's actually what happened to many people, more, much more um, wiser than Samson. Even Solomon, the wisest one who ever lived, King Solomon, he was led astray by foreign women. You know, who you marry is actually really, really important. It can really help you in your Christian life or it can really hinder you. I've been very lucky to be married to Liz. She's been a massive help to me. Yeah, yeah. She agrees with me on that. Yeah. For the last, what, 48 years, um, we've, uh, she's been encouraging me. It's been a, a, a good decision I think I made, didn't I? <laughs> she, had to, she had to agree. Um, anyway, so... The issue of sexuality is one of the key issues in our discipleship. Learning to control and channel our sexual desires and urges in the right way. God has given sex as a gift to the human race, but he set boundaries to it. Uh, to, I can't go into that now, but for our good, he set boundaries so that sex should take place within a marriage relationship. And if we ignore that, we ignore it at our peril. Samson ignored it, and you'll see the consequences for him were dreadful. The Bible says that every sin that we commit is outside the body, but if we sin sexually, we sin, literally it says we sin into our body, we actually damage our bodies. And we're not just talking about sexually transmitted diseases. This is a key issue. And we can't be neutral about it, because when you leave this church, you will be bombarded by sexual images, billboards, TV, social media, whatever. One third of British men admit to looking at pornography every week, and they're the ones who admit it. Uh, the figure for women is only 4%. Um, and I know that some of those are Christians because I, sadly, I've counseled many Christian men in my time who've been addicted to pornography. 
And it's really messed up their relationship with God because you cannot do business with a holy God and be looking at filthy, dirty things on the internet. And Samson could not mess around sexually without bearing the consequences. And we'll read about them now. So, Judges chapter 16 and verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, she was a Philistine. He'd had loads of scrapes with the Philistine women already, but he didn't learn his lesson. Um, and before we are too hard on Samson, is there anybody here other than me who has to be told several times by God about things? Uh, you know, we have to keep learning the same lesson over and over again. Gosh, you know, it's uh, we're, we're a bit, uh, we're either a bit thick or a bit stubborn or a bit both, I think, all of us. Anyway, the rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said to her, see if you can lure Samson into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, I worked that out. That works out at about 40,000 pounds on today's money. That's a pretty decent reward, isn't it? So you can see she was quite interested in uh, doing this. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson answered her. He thought, oh, let's, let's have a bit of fun now. But you know what? If you play with fire, you get burnt. And Samson started playing with fire. He thought, yeah, yeah, I can handle this woman. I'll just tag her along a bit. So he said to her, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rules of the Philistines brought Delilah seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him up with them. And with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, you would have thought he might have kind of had some suspicions after that. No, but he was so besotted with Delilah. She tried twice more, uh, once with new ropes and once with um, his hair being tied to the loom. And uh, neither times did Samson give in. But she said to him in the end, how can you say I love you? when you won't confide in me. This is the third time you've made a fool of me. Oh gosh, how many people have heard that? How many boys have said to their girlfriends, how can you say you, I love you if you won't come to bed with me? How can you say I love you if you won't do this? That's not love, that's manipulation. Love gives free, love doesn't demand from the other person. Love gives freely. So she said, this is the third time you've made a fool of me. You still haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, isn't this incredible? A Philistine army couldn't defeat Samson, but one woman's nagging could. Now, isn't that incredible? <laughs> Ever been nagged? <laughs> what it shows, though, it shows the power of sexual relationships, the power of emotional relationships. Never underestimate them. So, so Samson told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head 
because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I'd become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that he'd told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands and after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding corn in the prison. Now this was the way Samson was ruined by not properly controlling and channeling his sexual desires. And he's far from the only person we've seen in our own society, powerful, intelligent people fall because of sexual misconduct politicians, TV personalities, even church leaders, sadly. I'm not going to name anybody because it's just too painful, but you, you know who they are. This is a discipleship issue for every Christian that we learn to control and channel our sexual desires. So maybe if you're a church leader, I, I, I was a church leader for many, many years before I retired, and I had to learn to control my sexual desires and channel them towards my wife. If I'd followed every desire I'd ever had, I would have got myself into a lot of trouble, I'll tell you. Now, this, and it's not just young people who need this, it's at every stage of life that this is, a, this is an area where we need God's grace to help us. Because this is, um, this is how Samson finally finished up. We're going to read, uh, to finish with the, um, the end of his life, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now notice, when we fall into sin, when, think, when we go off, off the path that God's got for us and things go wrong, people mock our God. Just as the Philistines mocked Samson and said, our God Dagon has delivered us, delivered Samson. And when the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who's laid waste our, our land and multiplied our slain. And while they're in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me please. God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. 
And I think this is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Thus, Samson killed many more people when he died than when he lived. God gave Samson amazing gifts, but Samson wasted them. And I want you now just to spend three or four minutes looking at a couple of questions. Firstly, why does God give gifts to flawed people like Samson? Nobody's ever had that strength, only him, and yet he had this fatal flaw. And what are the qualifications for receiving gifts from God? Give yourselves three or four minutes to talk those things through. Okay. So just to, just to round things up, every one of you has been given gifts by God. Now you might not think you've got very many, but every one of us has gifts. Every one of us has something that God's given us that we can use for him. And the question is, what are we going to do with them? Now, at the beginning, I told you that looking at people who lived over 3,000 years ago can tell us something for today. And we learned from Samson that we, can have the most, we might have the most incredible gifts in the world. But if we don't channel our sexual desires in the right direction, we end up being ruined. Just as Samson ended up in a prison, his eyes, eyes gouged out on a treadmill grinding corn if we don't use our gifts if we fall if we go from God's path for our life if we don't go on the right path we don't fulfill what his purpose is for us in the gift that he's given us Samson had the mandate to deliver Israel from the Philistines he didn't succeed he failed because he went off God's true path and the sad thing is as it says, he killed more in his death than he ever did in his life. What a sad epitaph to have on you. So the challenge to us today is, what are we going to do with the gifts that God's given us? How are we going to keep ourselves on the right path, whether it's right, um, right sexual behavior or whether it's in other areas as well? How are we going to keep on that path? Certainly one way is that we can encourage each other, and that's why we meet together. I think these things are too big for us to do on our own. If you think you can conquer it on your own, I think you're wrong. We need each other. We need to help each other, and that's one reason why we're in a community. And we need that encouragement from each other. And most of all, we need God's grace and God's strength. We can't do it by willpower. That helps, but it's not enough. So let's stand and just ask God to, um, if you're able to stand, let's just ask God to speak to us into our life. Let, if you're not sure what God's gifts God's given you, ask him. He'll tell you. And ask him how you can use it to the very best and ask him what path you need to be on to ensure that that gift is fully used. So help us, God. Move by your spirit, I pray. Thank you for each person here. Each person is unique. Each person here is special in your sight. And each person has gifts. Help us, God. Help that each person to realize how those gifts can be used. And how they can be on the right path. So that those gifts are... So that the, the use of those gifts achieves your purposes. So that we don't end up like Samson. Missing out on what you have for us. Come, Spirit of God.
We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.